Hello, and welcome to Shattered Lives, an informed, conversational, cutting-edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argor, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host, Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show and to our library of weekly archive shows. It is our goal to make a difference. So um, I say uh, good morning to everyone, and um, I'm so happy to be back on the radio after a short hiatus with our busy schedules. And uh, today we have a, a different kind of show. Um, it is a show that talks about um, shattered lives, but it, it does not specifically pertain to crime. And we're, we're talking about heroism. We're talking about resiliency. We're talking about gathering resources and helping people and the kind of stuff that touches our hearts. And uh, specifically, we're talking about today the aftermath, um, because that's what this show is geared for, the aftermath of Hurricane Matthew and specifically what happened with North Carolina because it was so very devastating. Um, so before we get to our, our two esteemed guests, I want to say good morning, Delilah. Nice to have you back on the radio. How are you doing? Good morning, Donna. It's always good to be on. This is a day late, but hey, we're we're here. We're on and um it's always good to to have the conversation around the aftermath of something, how people have survived, whether it be crime, whether it be a storm, whether it be a flood, um, we all survive it, uh, some better than others. And um, these, the guests that we have today, I think, are going to let people know what they really didn't read about in the news, which is, you know, the real human story here. Absolutely, and that's what we like. We like to tell the backstory, and and also to uh, give updates in terms of what's going on now. Maybe about six weeks later, and and what the situation is, and what we can do going forward. Because I know there was a lot of interest um, by people um, in this show just watching. So we we want to be able to paint a picture. Um, so with that said, um, you know it's it's so very nice to. To have our two guests, and I've made it. I've made one, and now two new friends as a result, and that's the beauty of this radio show. Today we have Janelle Starr, um, originally from Maryland, but but now um, has who's lived in Wilmington for about ten years, and we have her her good friend Sean Yancey um, as another guest, who will also lend a very um, important perspective to this. So. Why don't we start with Janelle, because you're the one I initially saw and said, oh, my God, I want to know this woman. So good morning, Janelle. <laughs> good morning. Um, nice uh, nice to have you, uh, and welcome to Shattered Life Radio Family. Oh, thank you for having me. You're you're very welcome. So um, why don't we, why don't you give a little bit of a bio sketch and it doesn't have to be detailed and then maybe you can introduce your friend Sean and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, my background is just a financial controller for a local company and 
I just have always been involved in helping people and volunteering and just an important part of my life. And then yeah. uh, Sean Yancey, who um, he can do his own introduction and his background. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to have you, Sean. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, you, you need like- a... Yeah, Would yeah. Would you like to tell uh, us back- a little bit about your background? Uh, yes, ma'am. I was a Marine for 13 years, and then uh, after getting out in 2004, I worked a lot in the Middle East and West Africa, and not only in conflict zones, but in uh, a lot of devastated areas uh, where humans just don't have the ability to fend or fight for themselves, and I was able to implement my area in certain situations where I was able to help these people. So I was able to grow myself into a person who knows how to control disasters or situations where people just feel like all is lost and I can actually point them in a in a position where they can actually see light at the end of the tunnel. So is this a strategic kind of a role where, you know, that when people face nine eleven or, you know, the disasters of that nature, um Hurricane Katrina, you're, you are the people that organize everything? I have been uh, as of lately. Um, it's just something I know how to manage. And uh, during Hurricane Matthew, I was contacted by uh, Duke Energy and a few other people to, to help manage all the assets that were coming in from all over the country. And so I was able to maintain over, I guess, 3,000 personnel and, and large pieces of equipment coming in from all over the, all over the area to help manage uh, the devastation of Hurricane Matthew. Wow. That, that's, that's very impressive. Um, can you give us a little um, uh, get in terms of what, what that generally entails when, when they come to you and say, we need your help, um, what are the basic principles that you operate with get a situation like Hurricane Matthew? Um, Well, just prior to Hurricane Matthew, I was in Louisiana for over a month helping the flood victims in Louisiana on a strictly volunteer basis. And the the principles I use as a leader in the Marine Corps, which are just very basic steps, which are you know, begin the planning, arrange the costs, make the costs, complete the planning, issue orders, supervise. If you use those steps in a, in a catastrophe or devastated area, just step back, use each step to lead people uh, towards their goals of recovery, those steps will, will put you in, in, a, in the course you want to be in when it comes to recovery, recovering from absolutely Absolute devastation. Mm-hmm. Does that make does that make sense? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it, it does make sense. Um, I think as we sort of get into the meat of the matter, we will it will become clearer in terms of of what you did. But Janelle, I you know you you came in as your your average citizen, and um, I, I just want to know from your perspective. Um, you saw the need as a Wilmington resident, and and what happened from there? How, how did 
how did the creation of, of the public group and your participation unfold? Well, I just had been thinking my friends and I would be great to be resources for each other because social media is faster sometimes than the news, you know, waiting for websites to update that we could reach out during the hurricane, people could post on this group and say, hey, this road's closed, this road's flooded, the power's out over here. I figured it would be something really small, just a couple hundred people posting stuff just to kind of update each other faster than the news does instead of having to go to a bunch of different websites or Facebook sites, one place would serve it all. A one-stop shopping then, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Started out that so how way. Did you started do out that? about 500 people on Friday before Matthew had hit. It it started out for 500, but then didn't it grow to an incredible amount, like at, at least a couple thousand or more? Um, yeah, by Saturday there was about 11,000 people in the group, and by Sunday about 15, and even now it still maintains over 16,000 people. Wow, Delilah, isn't that incredible for social media? What would you say about that? <laughs> oh, absolutely, it's incredible. Well, and it shows. I, I totally agree with what Janelle says in the fact that sometimes we can get the message out a lot quicker on social media, especially during times like this, because if if you're checking in, you're you're actually giving a live account of what's going on in in your neighborhood, as opposed to six miles down the road so your neighbor you know neighbors were staying in touch that way um you know as long as they had internet service um that kind of went by the wayside for some but um it was very helpful and uh, you know to have to have that many people sign into your uh, page that quickly it goes to show how this storm impacted so many people Absolutely. You know, we we have a um a, a very good uh, article from the Washington Post and I think it was around October 11th and there's so many good stats here with regard to 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 uh, helping paint the picture. For example, one of them and maybe I'll just throw these out as we're talking. The amount of rain that fell in the southeast was equivalent to 13.6 trillion with a T gallons of water, a volume equivalent to 75% of the Chesapeake Bay. I mean, to me, I just can't fathom what that, what, what, what that must have been like. I mean, with, you know, the rivers overflowing and, and, and all of that. But um, Janelle and, and Sean, as each of you, um, Sean, I, I'm not sure, when did you become involved? Um, now, you're a friend of Janelle, so did she just say, Oh, can you come on board and help? Because this is becoming unmanageable. How did that happen? Oh, oh no, I didn't well, invite him to come on and help. He did. He was doing his own thing, posting on okay. the page. He started. He was involved separately. Okay. So the floods in the floods in Louisiana were so devastating and so mildly covered by the news agencies that I made almost two thousand people aware of just how many devastated in the floods of Louisiana. And, of course, Janelle, uh, you know, commented, and, she, you know, she's part of the human factor, as you mentioned. And when I saw what she was doing during Hurricane Matthew, I literally was able to post photos of all the, 
the linemen and all the, the major work that's coming in from all over the country. We had we had power service companies come in from Wisconsin and and Michigan and Ohio and and Florida. Even Florida was hit by a hurricane, and those guys came up here after they were done getting all their power grids, you know, straight. And I was able to take pictures of these guys in and put them on Janelle's page, and it would give people in the area that were devastated a little ray of hope, say, hey, help is here. You know, people are here. They're leaving it when the sun comes up, and they're staying out until the sun goes down. So power companies, what what other, in general, uh, before we even talk about specific human stories, if you'd like to share some of that, what other kinds of um, resources were you able to, to post about either of you? Uh, not only the, the linemen and the power companies, but the tree companies. Of course, you can't manage a power line if there's a tree on it, and you can't manage a, a, a the tree guys can't work on the power line or work on the trees unless the power is cut off. So they were working hand in hand and, and it was just an amazing, just amazing visibility of watching these two different organizations, the tree guys and the, the power companies work together to get all the power grids back on. I think Wilmington mostly was out of power for maybe three to five days at the most. We've been working twenty four seven. Yeah, that's, trying to get well yeah. as much as they could. As much as they could work, because of course nobody wants to work on a power line in the middle of the night, especially during high winds. They weren't those bucket trucks can't go up in the air unless you know winds are below forty miles an hour. But they were able to get Wilmington back on the grid and use Wilmington as a hub to go to to outreaching areas beyond Wilmington. Right. Um, what about what about in terms of the the rivers? I know, for example, one of them, one of the facts here uh, listed was that there was, as of October 11, 15 inches of rain in eastern North Carolina, and there were as many as 2,000 rescues of people stranded in high water. So, what, what's involved in in trying to get those people who are stranded in high water? Um. There, there is a lot involved, and actually the, the more recent, larger devastated areas was Baton Rouge, where they were trying to have people with their own boats who were coming in to try to rescue people. They were saying they couldn't do it unless they had a permit. Absolutely blows my what? mind that the city wants to get involved. But yeah, and the states won't get involved and so say you can't rescue people unless you have a permit. And that's when is the whole case of Navy's. Yes, ma'am. Blows my mind. So when it's all the flooding here in North Carolina, people would use their own personal assets, but then the states would go and get involved and say, no, you need to be permitted to come rescue these people, or you need to be a member of the Red Cross. Why do I need to be a member of the Red Cross to want to save somebody's life? Mm-hmm. Are they worried about lawsuits? Is that what it is? or what? So were these people turned away, Sean? There were, in Louisiana, I know for a fact, people were turned away. Oh. As of North Carolina, I don't know the specifics behind uh, the states and the, the federal agencies being involved. Our saying in Louisiana was no FEMA nowhere. And to tell you the truth, when I was in Lumberton over the week I was there and helping those people, I didn't see a FEMA vehicle one. Now, the National Guard were there. They were running around. They were... They're helping, but when it comes to federal agencies, 
FEMA wants to walk around in three-piece suits, hang out in their hotels, and maybe try to <laughs> try to try to help people get a small amount of money, but they're not getting their hands dirty. They're not getting their 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 feet wet. Well, I don't I don't know the criteria for calling in FEMA. I mean, do you? Uh, national disaster uh, probably should but be the, criteria. Right, but the, so the, the the president has to declare a natural disaster for them to help. Does I don't know the ins and outs, but I think the, yeah. the financial part of it, I think they do. They can't mobilize without money being allocated for their operations, and unless it's declared a state of emergency or or uh, federal allocations for finances for these people to mobilize, they they won't. When they do mobilize, they it's up to the people in their community to, to help themselves and not the federal agency to come in because the, the federal agencies aren't going to help you other than, right. like I said, the natural, National Guard. Mm-hmm. And and that has to be, uh, uh, forgive me, I've forgotten the name of your governor in North Carolina. So that's dependent upon the governor to declare and then to request the funds, I believe, right? Is that is that how it goes? Janelle, do you know? Um, I don't know, but I know we were, North Carolina was declared a state of emergency during hurricane and after. I don't okay. know. So I do uh, believe it, regulations. Yeah, I do believe it has to be declared a state of emergency before they can get federal federal funding and federal assistance. And when you see this federal assistance, it's so meek that it's it's almost not even worth the federal worth assistance to get in the way more than they would. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's a sad commentary. You know, but but it all goes to the point, and I wanted to get to this, too, is that, you know, the people that help the most are the people that have the least to offer in terms of, like, financial resources and whatnot. People, you know, people with meager means are always the people that step up to the plate. Isn't that true? Oh, yes. And I would love to tell you about some of the people in our community because after yes, training aid, it was unbelievable how this community came together and people were just offering resources. You know, one woman who had an autistic child and she was without power, her and her family, and he wasn't doing well. She was able to post something about it on that group. And some people were coming out of the woodworks offering their generators for them. And they actually did get one from a complete stranger to use. You know, one woman was there with her child. She was a single mother and no power, and she was scared. And she said it just comforted her knowing she could just reach out to people, you know, on her phone and see, you know, just comfort knowing people were there. You know, her mm-hmm. people, people were in that same neighborhood she was in. Someone would be posting the powers out here. Well, she knew her neighbors were there. There, there were people there. Um, you know, the next day, People, neighbors were making food for their neighbors on the grill, helping each other out. You know, people had questions about how long food would last. You know, people were chiming in, hey, this is how long you need to keep it. You know, just any question you needed, you know, there's some, at least 20 people who would respond to you with some kind of answer. What, what other kind? I know you posted things about schools opening and closing. What other kinds of of posts, and even if you don't recall all the specifics, Janelle, which is it's so hard with all of those people, what other kinds of things were posted on there in terms of categories, maybe? 
that you might well, not. I mean, I I tried to keep a list of the emergency contact numbers, shelters, etc. But people posted pictures, areas where they're at. Hey, this road's flooded. You know, people were posting routes to travel because the flooding was so bad for weeks after you couldn't even get through major roads to get, you know, out of town. So people like in Lumberton, so people were traveling, you know, they would, they would be able to get a way through because even the apps weren't even to keep, weren't able to keep things up to date as quickly as this group. Um, Gyms were opening up to let people shower and use their facilities for free. So if people didn't who, have power, who was doing and, that? I'm sorry, I missed that. Right, there are local gyms, a lot of local, a local gyms. gyms. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Um, like the major um, hardware stores were offering charging stations for people's phones if they weren't able to charge them if they didn't have power. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can't even tell you the rescue animal rescues. Hey, I found this animal. You know, people. It just was amazing to see everybody come together to help each other. And then the donations started happening. Now, I don't know one business that didn't offer to be a donate site. It was it was crazy. And I know Sean was there with handling a lot of that, so he would be great to talk about, you know, what happened in the aftermath and all the donations and coordinating all that. But... This, today, I mean, people are posting, even today in the group, what can I do to help and donate? I was able to post addresses of drop-off facilities in Lumberton, points of contacts with city managers, uh, physical locations where people could go get and receive food and water and clothing. And I was able to do that, not only locally. You know, you can easily spread the word locally, but, you know, you have people who are in the devastated area who have siblings outside. They want to know how they can help to donate, or they have children on the outside wanting to know where their parents can, their only parents can get stuff. So posting on Janelle's page was a really incredible tool for me to spread locations and phone numbers and at pretty much literally ground zero in Lumberton. Yeah, um, one of the well, and I think, too, with Lumberton, the situation in Lumberton, um, it, it, that just goes to show as well that it isn't just the coastline that is devastated by a storm like this. You know, yes, we had all the high winds and the storm surge and lost piers and, and homes and stuff, but inland, um, I really believe inland suffered so much more in terms of the water damage and and yeah. Lumberton wasn't the damage there caused by, you know, a, a um, dam that broke. So, you know, areas were flooded that maybe wouldn't have had that not have happened. Do you guys remember the floods in Nashville, Tennessee in 2010 that devastated literally hundreds of thousands of homes? I'm I'm sorry, I'm blanking on that, but I believe I believe I totally believe you. Is that comparable? This this, um, stat that I have here, it said the Lumber River in North Carolina reached a record 24 feet above its usual level, while the Tar River at Rocky Mount uh, crested seven feet above the flood stage. Now, where where are those two rivers in relation to what we've been talking about? 24 feet above its usual level. Oh, my God. That's just incredible, you know. 
the, the Cumberland River in Nashville, Tennessee, devastated. But it wasn't in news media. It wasn't covered. For some reason, you know, Katrina was. But you had just as much devastation in Nashville shortly after Katrina. But it wasn't covered by the media. And you have and to ask you're, yourself you're saying, why. Sean, I'm sorry. What you're saying, Sean, is you're agreeing, saying the inline areas get more affected. It's, you're agreeing with when what was, they're saying. Yeah, right? when I was a kid, I, I lost my home when I was a kid, lost everything I had to a 500-year a flood. So I guess I had a personal prejudice towards flood and what they can do because I know what they can do firsthand because, like I said, as a kid, I, we lost everything we had in Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Well, what's that about? Um, why are these, what's your best guess in terms of, wh- I know that, you know, everyone was so involved in the election and all of that, but why weren't these incidents covered by by the media sufficiently? Anybody want to get generate, Yeah, I don't think it generates the national coverage that they want because they want natural or national coverage it, it won't produce the number of viewers that they would like so it's so i guess co-located or, or specifically located to a geographical area that it's not beneficial for them to cover it nationally yeah it, yeah if you think about it wilmington is 220,000 people that's all and lumberton mm-hmm. is small too very uh, smaller so the area you know there's not as many people now we heard about all this stuff because we're right here Involved, right. but it's it's not yeah it's not going to reach the numbers. For it's them. not big news now. Delilah, as a PR person, social media, do, do you what else would you have to offer about that? Is that is that really a reason in your opinion? It's too localized. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, no, absolutely. I mean, it's ratings. Let's let's face it. It's TV. It's ratings. It's edutainment. It's not necessarily going to report everything um, as national news. That's just the way mm-hmm. the business works. And, you know, you'll you'll see even the people from the Weather Channel, everybody gets all freaked out when Jim Gantori comes to town. Well, that's because he's a good showman. I mean, he can stand mm-hmm. out there in the wind and let, you know, everybody see all of this visually. Um, but in the reality of it is that there is it's an ongoing story. Yes, Matthew hit and it did a lot of devastation all the all the way through, all the way from the Caribbean, all the way up the you know, the coast of Florida, Georgia and South Carolina, North Carolina and beyond. But that all made the news. But the, the devastation inland, the devastation afterwards, the flooding, the the water, uh, which was much worse in my estimation. There's a neighborhood that's less than five miles from my house and a whole area in that neighborhood. Those people lost everything, everything. Um, but again, even our local news didn't give it enough coverage in my in my opinion because those people are still suffering. They have nothing. That's five miles from your house in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, and they were less than out? five miles on the way to my grandson's school. I mean, I passed by it. I mean, when you're on the major streets, you wouldn't know because it sits back and it sits on the waterway. Well, the when the floods came down from the Lumberton. Um, dam break and and it flooded all of the plus the rainfall 
and it flooded all of the rivers and everything flows towards the ocean. So, you know, we're right there at ground zero where all the water ends up. Wow. Baton Rouge was a similar situation as well, where you had over 100,000 homes destroyed. If you think about it, that's two cars per household on average. That's 200,000 vehicles flooded. Baton Rouge area had so much devastation, but it was not covered in a news media that I'm just amazed by the lack of coverage from it. Those people needed help. Those people had absolutely nothing to wear. You can't Nobody can wash clothes because the washing dryer has been flooded. Nobody has or back up on the power grid. Nobody has anything. When when you're reduced, humans were right. reduced to having absolutely nothing. But they found it within themselves to come back, and each community came back. They weren't looking for federal assistance. They they made it happen on their own. And, and the human resolve, what I've seen between here in North Carolina and in Louisiana in the last several months, puts inspiration in me every day. Well, do you have a couple of um, specific examples in terms of people you worked with that you, you might want to tell us about, what they what they went through and how they are recovering now, just as an example? Uh, yes, ma'am. In Louisiana, um, we we first we sought out veterans, a small group of us went and sought out veterans, And then we just found everybody needed help. So we started literally, we had to go in and gut these homes, which is remove everything from the inside out. The drywall, the cabinets, the the appliances, everything has to come off the walls because all that insulation in the walls and all the the drywall is going to mildew. We we got it within a month. We got it over 20 homes, and that's a huge task. Uh, Specifically speaking, just Everybody had nothing. I, I, I can't get specific because there were so many stories of absolute destitute that I'm, I'm glad I was able to be a part, and I'm amazed at how Janelle has has created something that where our communities can rise up and come together and, and help each other. Yeah. Well, what was it that, um, like, Janelle, that maybe surprised you the most in terms of you didn't, you know, you had no idea that that this particular aspect was was impacted. Or I know you were surprised at the volume of response, but was there anything in particular that really sticks with you today about about the experience overall? Just the community, the people itself, the out of help that's still going on on that page on that group. It's just people and people. I know a woman who lived out of town that her granddaughter lived in town and was going to school here. She couldn't get a hold of her, but she knew by just posting, hey, my granddaughter lives in, lives in this area. Is she doing okay? People saying, hey, yeah, that area's not flooded, just out of power. Everything's good there. You know, people at homes, vacation homes or second homes or were out of town knew how their, their place was doing, just the outpouring of help this community has. And you think about it, the amount of people on that page when there's only 220,000 people in this whole town. And mm-hmm. it, it's still going on today. I mean, right now, like I know, um, there's a business, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say business, you know, certain names of companies yeah. are not on here, but Closed sure. Mentor right now, they're starting to collect stuff for gutting homes. They're collecting um, respirators, Tyvek suits, and a bunch of stuff to donate 
to help the people out there gutting the homes in Lumberton. And actually the, the manager of it worked with Sean, uh, Rebecca worked with Sean out there or came and volunteered for the day with her son. So she, well, um, she's been really trying to be proactive in, in helping with gain donations out there. What, who does it, uh, after the, the, the worst of, the, of this storm, who does it fall to? Does, I mean, uh, individual people can do individual things, but ultimately do, do people end up uh, going to the Red Cross or are there certain larger organizations that really take over people, something like this? Or, and you know? I just want to say something real quick. From what I understand, Red, the Red Cross was throwing away donations. Like, they were not as helpful as we had liked to have seen. Like, people were bringing donations, and they were thrown away. And it, so I'm not sure what was going on with that, but I know a lot of people were trying not to work with the Red Cross, and I'm not sure why. Well, I think Good. in in past uh, past history, they've, they've gotten some bad... Uh, a bad reputation, and I don't know if that's ever gone away or how accurate they, it is. The Red Cross Go has ahead. gotten so big. They, the Red Cross has gotten so big. They've lost the human factor. Is that what it is? It, it's just it, it's become a monster. That that it's, you know, a, a lot of volunteers and my parents work for the Red Cross. They volunteer for Red Cross. They do some amazing things, but. Mm-hmm. When these organizations get so large, they don't want to deal with the small stuff anymore. And it's the smallest, like a pair of flip-flops for somebody to have. You know, it's like people have no shoes, but they're too big to even deal with that. So a lot of community churches got together. A lot of other organizations got together. We had people come in to Lumberton from, uh, I think it was like Minnesota, with a van full of clothing and food donations. It was, it was amazing to see. Wow. And it wasn't Red Cross. It was mm-hmm. just people. Just people decide to hop in the truck or get a truck together That's and right. do all of that. Yes, ma'am. That's right. That, that's incredible. Um, what what happens with all of the uh, de- debris? And you're having to, you know, um, you know, get rid of all of these things causing mold and mildew, and you were mentioning about the cars that are not drivable. I mean, what what happens to all of that? Are these huge air, uh, you know, areas where you go to a dump, and or is it recycling? All, or no, it's all that? it's all brought to the to the front of your house because there's literally you. Not everybody has a pickup truck. Nobody has the ability to take tons of drywall and damaged clothing and furniture, baby cribs, toys. It all has to be thrown out, not because it's river water, but because of when the floods come in, your septic systems rise to that same level, too. So it's absolutely disgusting, contaminated water. You can't just, hey, I'm going to shampoo my carpet again. No, you can't do it because all the bacteria that's come in. So it all gets pushed to the streets. And it has literally, until they get trucks in there that can take it to a landfill, it will sit out in front of your house. And we're talking about refrigerators, too. If you think about 100,000 houses being destroyed, you've got 100,000 refrigerators that don't work. You've got 100,000 refrigerators full of 
rotten food. And I would say 20% of those homes would have deep freezers. So those deep freezers are ruined. So all that food is out there. At one point in Louisiana, I would drive into a town, uh, specifically Denham Springs, and your eyes would burn from how the drywall and everything out there is rotting in the streets. And there was no FEMA agency out there collecting it all up. It literally sat out there for, I'd say, months before it was even picked up. And and whose responsibility is, is that? I mean, uh, here we are six weeks later. Are, do all of these people in Wilmington have all of their stuff by the curb and they're waiting for it to be collected to br- be brought to a landfill, as we see? Well, Wilmington doesn't have any flood damage. Is that right, Janelle? Have we seen any flooded homes in uh, Wilmington? There were some, but it was mostly like basements. Um, like there was one woman that, you know, needed some fans and tables and stuff for all her stuff that was in her basement was flooded. That was near River Road. And then downtown, maybe some of the um, businesses on Water Street. But that was about it. Yeah, it wasn't as bad. Lumberton was Lumberston was devastated. So in in that town, is all of their things still sitting on the curb, do you believe, as we speak? I could call uh, Linda Osadine, who's who's one of the city managers there and who's heading up all the relief efforts, and and I could call her today and find out. But I literally haven't been able to to go back to Lumberton in several weeks. So to tell you the truth, I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, well, that, that'd be that'd be interesting interesting to know, um, just in terms of how. Well, I can tell you. I can tell you this: that within the last, probably the last week, has um, debris been taken out of our neighborhood. We we got hit with a lot. We live in a neighborhood with a lot of old trees, so most of the damage that was done was done by trees falling, and um, of course big trees. They have to be cut down into little pieces and, and like Sean said, everything's brought to the front um, curb and then big trucks came around and picked up all the debris but um, I would say it, it took a good four to five weeks for all of it to be cleaned out and only within the past week I've noticed that you know I don't see piles of, of branches and trees any longer. So it does take a long time for all of this to to come about yeah oh i'm sure so it it's it sounds like it's the city manager's responsibility to coordinate this wherever it may be perhaps or if you're a small town it's some regional authority uh when it comes to places like lumberton i guess it would be a county matter but of right. course the county seat is is lumberton uh for that county so uh a place like Baton Rouge, it was the the city of Baton Rouge, and it mm-hmm. wasn't, and it was up to the state to see if they could get federal funding and federal assistance. Like I said, I saw FEMA there, but they were driving around in nice vehicles and not really lifting a finger to help gut a home. Or no, I didn't see them with FEMA trucks picking up the tonnage of debris in front of people's houses. They were just uh. waiting for that money that money train to come down. Well, it's my understanding, isn't it, you know, if you, if that's what you need, you should be able to mobilize resources rather quickly if the, you know, if the president says yes, absolutely. But 
Um, I don't know. Sean, um, before we, we talk about, you know, what the situation is now, Janelle, and maybe list some resources and websites and what people need now as far as you know, what, Sean, if you, if you had your druthers, what, what is so lacking in this process and what would you recommend? Here, here I am. I'm Donald Trump, and I'm going to court. I'm going to name you as the coordinator for natural disasters, Sean. What would you do differently? Specifically Hello? out of the yes, I'm oh, here. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it's maybe okay. okay. I hear you. I now. got did the you wrong hear my question? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, I would I would get the bureaucracy out of the picture. Uh, when it comes to national disasters, there's still bureaucracy involved because they're trying to figure out who's getting paid and where the money's coming from. I was literally, there was no reason to see all this debris sitting in front of people's houses for over a month where it's causing air contamination. And like I said, my eyes were burning. With the national resources that we have, that stuff could have been out of there into a landfill in a week. If we mobilized it all, that's why you see floods don't get the response that wind damage does. Because wind damage affects utilities, affects people's ability to pay their bills, and utility companies to receive their checks so they get immediate federal funding. When it comes to floods, those power grids are back up, and really nobody cares. All right, no big deal. Power grids are back up. Hmm, the federal funding that you would see in windstorm type of scenarios as you do flooding. Wow, that that's interesting. I I wasn't aware. Okay, so you would what what else would you do? <laughs> Besides <laughs> just jump on it and get it done. Like that's the type of person I am. Yeah, <laughs> let's me get too. this debris and get this out of there. I mean, that's the priority. People need to get their homes gutted, and they need to get that debris to a landfill. It's an absolute, and a lot of people don't want to take out their kitchen cabinets, say, when they gut their homes. They don't realize that there's drywall behind their kitchen cabinets, and that's going to mold. Or there's layers inside their homes between the outside of their house and the inner studs that are going to be moldy. There's no... Right. I saw people having to pay out of pocket to have their homes gutted when we have the ability to mobilize a workforce from all over the country to help these people gut their homes. Like, that's that's a priority. You're going to have some major health issues come down the road, say, 10 years from now, five years from now, because people aren't going to be gutting their homes. So that's going to increase the financial burden on the health system. Yeah, for sure. Hey, um... You know what I'm wondering about also? I saw many posts on there with regard to, uh, Janelle, you made reference to the fact that people were concerned about, you know, uh, they didn't have access via so many roads and different routes and trying to get from here to there if you had family in another state or another county. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that, Janelle, and how that played out? What what happened there with all of these roads being closed down and are are those freed up now is everything quote unquote sort of back to normal oh yes everything is but it took a couple weeks and it was really good for people who i know people personally who were trying to drive to places who were able to access the route 
that were best from people who have already tried it, who spent hours on the road trying to go somewhere because they, the detours, the roads were just flooded and, you know, blocked off and they had nowhere else. To, they couldn't turn around because of all the traffic. And right. It, oh, it, I can't imagine. Yeah. It was really, really bad for people just trying to travel and get in and out of the area. So just from like North Carolina through South Carolina. So even parts of 95 were shut down. So it, it was a great resource, I think, personally, for people who needed just to access travel. And if they had family, oh, hey, my, my sister's leaving tomorrow. What's the best route? You know, it just, I think it really helped in one spot where you could look for all that information. Oh yeah, for for sure. That's what that's what impressed me so very much is that you you were able to benefit from other people's uh, trial and error experience in trying to see what this was. And is, isn't that kind of always, um, Delilah? Isn't that always the the ultimate decision whether you should? A, a lot of people are waiting to the last minute. Should I stay or should I go? You know, like that song says. And if yeah. you went, you were caught in in that awful gridlock and maybe you would would have been better off staying where you were tell us about that for those of us that live in the northeast or the west and how that decision really plays out Delilah well it's a risk it's a risk that you take when you live in an area like this or when you know that something's coming um you know you don't know uh what's going to happen and if what you're describing I would say in some situations, people don't have family members or or places to go far enough inland to um, you know to escape all of that. So, just for instance, a friend of mine had a hotel room booked in Lumberton. They were headed to Lumberton to escape Matthew hitting here. Um, they decided at the last minute not to go, and I think you know it was probably in their best interest because they probably will still be sitting there. <laughs> Uh, or had even more damage to their automobiles and and so forth. So it's you know it comes down to rolling the dice and and we get lucky. Sometimes we don't. So you know you just never know. When Hugo hit, I lived in Charlotte, and we had no idea there was even a hurricane coming because you just don't pay attention to that. And it woke us up in the middle of the night with this horrific 100-mile-an-hour winds. And we're talking three and a half hours inland. So the potential is there for a storm like totally devastating all the way in inland, you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles. Um, luckily, it didn't happen this time. But people inland were really, really struck with this. And, and again, whether you stay or whether you go, you know, it's a personal decision. You roll the dice and you hope for the best. Yeah, I guess it, we all, you know, that don't live there, have, you know, have no idea, that, you know, uh, about what to do until you're faced with that. So, you know, like you said, you roll the dice and you feel like you, you do what you have to do. But, um in, in looking at in looking at when we were talking about winds and whatnot, um, it said uh, five states clocked hurricane force wind gusts and um, you know Florida, Port Canaveral, 107. I've never heard of this area in South Carolina. Why are they light? 103 miles per hour. Um, that's down you know, in Georgetown, Donna. You know, that's down where um, 
It's where we go to get the shrimp off the shrimp boats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's uh, not that far. It's, it's Georgetown. You go over the Winyah oh. Bay to get into Georgetown. So it's not okay, that far but, south from here. Really? Okay, that's very. Like I say, if anyone's interested, there there is a a very good um, article, and it's called "Horrific Rains and Ocean Surge." Hurricane Matthew by the numbers, and and it was uh, Washington Post on October 11th. But um, with respect to what's going on now, Janelle, like I know that you were perusing the website, you know, to try to get some earlier examples, like about six weeks ago when the acute phase was. But can you tell us we've got about uh, we've got about 11, 12 minutes left of our show. What? Uh, What's going on now, and how has sort of the the tenor of of the post changed? And uh, what what do people need now? Are there particular resources, links, phone numbers you can offer if people want to help or donate? We can devote you know a good part of the rest of the show to that kind of stuff. Well, I don't really know besides the one, like I said, closed mentor helping uh, collect items for the gutting of the homes. I don't know what else. Shauna probably might be able to better resource okay. for that. The do you, do you have a link page. or a number or something for that? Say again? A website for what you were just talking about, Janelle? For the, the Facebook group or or the, the organization that, that is helping? Oh, Close Mentor. Um, they're a they're a store, they're a franchise, but they're um, they're located in Wilmington, so you just have to look them up, and it, and they have a Facebook page, and you know, you could just access them. Cloves mentor. Cloves mentor. Mm-hmm. And Sean would have better knowledge of any other places. But as for Clo- what's being posted, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, clothing is the hardest and the most difficult asset to manage. And to get to people, when you you receive donations, clothing is nearly impossible to manage in a devastated area because you got socks, shoes, tops, bottoms, his, hers, big, small, medium, larges. Like it's absolutely impossible. So, I mean, I don't know if clothes mentor is donating clothes or if they're donating. Money for drywall no, or they're tools. Collecting, you no, know? they're collecting like the respirator, like breathing. They're helping um, yeah. Tyvek suits, people who are gutting the home yeah. stuff for them to use to help gut with. That's in, and that's important to know. I, I didn't want you guys to think that clothes is what people need or know they do need it. Clothing is the most difficult and is probably the least needed because it just gets piled up like crazy. So a place like Clothes Mentor donating those supplies for gutting homes is is exactly what people should be wanting to donate and give not only that but labor as well okay what what are some other examples of what's really needed at this juncture do you think uh sean in your experience labor volunteers people on the ground not people out there to try to get their face in the paper whatever people actually ready to go to work Get some pry bars and get some flat bars and take trim off the doors and pull doors off the door jams and remove countertops and remove appliances from these counters. Actual people on the ground who's going to stay there and actually do work. 
Right. Well, yeah, I agree see, with I agree with him because right, right now they need their home back. That's what they need, or a new place to live. Now, where are people if if they've been displaced? Where might they be? Are they in temporary uh, shelters or uh, the Red Cross has put them up, or other than family, or are they in there trying to do the best they can in their own homes? By and a large? little bit of a little bit of both. I've seen people living in their gutted homes because there's absolutely nowhere else for them to stay. Even hotels in the Lumberton area were operating with water trucks parked outside of them because their uh, Lumberton's uh, entire water water system was destroyed. Mm-hmm. So people are trying to live in their cars, live in homes. There's not enough shelters I've seen may stay open for like a week or two, and then the, they get shut down. So wow. there may be more shelters open. Right now, I, I, I don't have that answer for you. But I can right. give you a phone number. You can. Call well, that's true. It, I'm just <laughs> saying, yeah, if we could, or it, there's no one central number to call because this is not like, a, like you said, FEMA. But, and I don't want to bombard you, Sean, but if you'd like to give some kind of in, information, if people have an urgent message or they want to give donations or money or labor, what should we do right now? Um, if, if Get on Janelle's page. There, go on Janelle's on, page. That's right. Okay. Not my personal one. Not my personal no, not one. Personal. <laughs> yeah, get on the community page. Get okay, on the community give, that, page. give that site, Janelle. <laughs> oh, it's the Facebook group, uh, Wilmington NC uh, Community Updates. Okay, and, and what's going on? It, pe- people are posting... Everything from, um, uh, you know, what 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 are people going to do for the holidays? You think there's been an, an outgrowth of giving because the holidays are coming up. But first of all, we need the labor. We need people to have a safe place to stay. Are people opening up their homes? I mean, what do you predict is going to be happening between now and the end of the year, anybody? I I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. They are going to posting questions they, about it, but John, yeah, they're, they're going to do the best they can with what they've got. Uh, that's the, the best answer I can give you. Um, you know, for those who don't have families or, or families they can go stay with, uh, they'll they may be without. It. People don't even have kitchens to cook in. You know, they they can't cook Thanksgiving dinner because their homes are being gutted. So. Well, what's your best advice for those people that are still struggling? So, what what should they do? Keep keep your head up. You're, understand the resolve of the human spirit. Know it, feel it. Don't succumb to the the negativity of it. Look at hey, tomorrow I'm going to have a, a breath of fresh air. I'm going to see the sun. I'm going to see the moon. I'm going to see the stars. Just have a positive outlook on life, and just think of it as a a reset switch. It's going to test your resolve. It's going to show you what you're made of, and you're going to base your next steps in life on that. Right. Absolutely. What um what each of you what what has this ex- experience taught taught you um that maybe you hadn't you hadn't known before? I mean, Sean, I know you have so much experience with 
the Marine Corps and whatnot. But this particular experience, what has this taught you? To get rid of all the crap that doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, you laugh, personally? but I'm, I can, yeah, I can go through my home and see stuff like, why do I have that still? Get rid of it. Not necessarily, you know, donate it or just don't have it in your life because it's an, an obstruction in your mind. It can hinder you down the road if a disaster like this happens. So what I've learned is just get rid of a bunch of crap that I don't care about. That that means nothing to me. Well, that's a that's that's um, that's very thoughtful. I think we all need to do that because if this were ever to happen, you know, it's just it just bogs us down, right? Yeah. Janelle, yeah, do you do you have do you have a similar kind of uh, a comment with regard to what this has taught you a lot? My, mine to me it's taught me that that every community has people in it who are willing to give. They just need a yeah. place and a resource to be able to do it. And they need it's something I think this page has helped people give yeah. and help each other in a fast, yeah. easy, accessible manner for a lot of people. It's for sure. And well, how amazing. Okay. I just want to give a shout-out to Wilmington. Amazing, amazing community. Oh, yeah. Uh, they they certainly are. And I, I'm asking if both of you, I think you have my, my cell phone, if you will keep in touch with me personally, maybe down the road we could do another follow-up show. But I certainly, because I think you, you both have so much good information to offer, and this is such a good topic, um, I want to. I, I just don't want to let it go and have everybody assume that oh everything will work out because we're we're there we're there to help if we can help in any way and we want to encourage people to listen to the show and to go to go to the uh, Wilmington Update um, posting so that uh, they can be helped further and um, it's just been a real blessing to have both of you. Delilah, do you have some um, parting remarks before we have to uh, go? We've got a, a couple of minutes. Delilah? Yeah. Hello? I, I, oh. Hi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just want to say that going through two hurricanes and, a, well, actually three hurricanes and a blizzard where I was evacuated, um, it it does bring out the best in people. The worst times yeah. does bring out the best of people. And, you know, it, it's amazing to see communities, whether big, small, uh, rural or urban, how neighbors are there. Neighbors are there to help each other. And, um, you know, have not had my neighbors here during Matthew, I, I, probably would have driven myself to Charlotte because I knew they were here. So I felt level of safety and, and comfort knowing that they were here, that if I needed something, I had people to call on. Um, but even even after the storm is over and the devastation, um, it was amazing to see within hours people with chainsaws and, you know, bring down limbs so that uh, vehicles could get through the streets, or in one case, a couple of trees fell on a house, and very quickly, you know, volunteers came in and got that tree off of the house and uh, repaired the roof. So 
it, it, to me, it's just amazing to see everything come together like that. And I know that there are still people who are out there hurting and they still need things. So I hope that somehow they can come forward and connect with the with the right help, with the right agencies or the right people that can um, get them back to their home. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And just, you know, looking, perusing the uh, site here, Wilmington NC Community Updates, there's people, you know, who have lost dogs. There's people looking for certain types of donations. So there's a variety of different things. So I really do urge people to go to that site. Janelle, it's up to you. Is this is this going to be a long a long lasting site? Are you going to keep it up for as long as as long as needed, or do you think it's going to be needed always and it will maybe change purpose a little bit? Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, I plan on keeping it open for now. So, you know, okay. if there's another major weather event down the road, it would be great to have it there. But right now it's still serving a purpose for the community, so I plan on keeping it open. Well, that's wonderful, and thank you for being a good community servant. And, Sean, it's, it's been a pleasure to meet you. Will, will you will you keep in contact with me and maybe give me a call so that we can uh, stay in touch? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Um, okay. If I can get your phone number or, or we can exchange information. Right. Uh, uh, Janelle, Janelle can give you that, and I, I'd like to speak to you off there. So thank you. Thank you so much for taking this time on a Sunday. It's very important. And please do pass this podcast around so everyone can listen and maintain a sense of hope. And Delilah, thank you so much for doing this show with me today. I so appreciate it. So for now, we are going to uh, sign off from Shattered Wise Radio until the next edition. Thank you so much, Janelle. Thank you, Sean. Talk to you off the air, okay? Okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.